0: Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. Here at City Church, it's amazing. If you're watching online, but you could make it down here, you need to get down here seriously. Uh, It's just so good to be celebrating the good things of God. Well, we're in a series. I think we're up to number six. I've kind of lost count. Uh, but boy, isn't it good just to talk about the love of God? And So we've called this series Learning, um, to, Learning to Love. And you might say, well, what do you need to learn to love for? I thought love was just all about, you know, love at first sight and uh, just a feeling, a uh, kind of romance or whatever that is. Uh, but there's so much more to it. And we've been mainly uh, focusing on and coming at the dimension of uh, how to love God we haven't even really looked at how to love other people uh, and that's a whole another side of learning to love I've purposely felt led not to go that way because until you love God you really can't love other people in fact I'll say it this way until you know how much God loves you you really aren't going to love other people We were, uh, Gail and I were waiting in line to get some takeaway Mexican food uh, during the week. We're down on the Gold Coast uh, for our conference, for our our movement, the Australian Christian Churches, and uh, in fact, our prime minister spoke uh, one of the nights, and boy, it was amazing. It's so good to have a Christian prime minister, and he's actually, yeah, he's actually in our movement, and uh, his pastor also spoke. Uh, and talked about the day that Scott Morrison, our prime minister, uh, got elected and how that just changed his world dramatically. People on his doorstep uh, abusing him because he's the pastor of the church where the prime minister goes, I mean, what a crime, hey. (laughs) And uh, hurling things, throwing things at him like it was just a war zone and it continues to go on. Uh, I had kind of thought, oh, lucky him, you know, getting the prime minister in his church. Like, wow, you know. Uh, but man, he almost had a breakdown uh, because of the opposition and media people planting themselves in the congregation and, you know, just a militant group of people opposing what we what we would just call Christian values. And, and there very much is, there is a, a fight going on, believe me, to keep the freedom that we have. It's just, there's a battle. And uh, I really encourage us all to get in the fight. But anyway, we're down in the Gold Coast waiting in line to get some takeaway. And there was this young couple there. They were waiting for their uh, burrito or whatever as well. And I, I don't like to assume with people. I've, I've learned that when you make an assumption, it can often, often go seriously wrong, uh, as in assuming that somebody's pregnant and they're not or, you know, or that they're married. I've pulled some really big ones off, believe me, which I won't go there right now. But I've really had, you know, foot and mouth, both feet in the shoe, and half my leg in my mouth at times, from assuming things. So I, I, I've learned not to assume, and so I didn't assume they were married, but they looked like they were kind of happily in love. And so I said, uh, uh, "Are you guys together?" That's kind of a safe way of saying, uh, you know, of leading into it. And, and they go, "Well, yeah, we've been dating for two and a half weeks." And I thought, "Wow, that's 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 really good. That's about." The length of time that Gail and I had dated, when we, uh, you know, when we, when I finally asked her to marry me, we we hadn't hardly been together, you know, that much more than that. And so then they asked, uh, as they often do, they said, "Well, how did you guys meet?" And uh, tell us your story. So while we're waiting for the burrito, I thought, the burrito could come out any time now. And this is a pretty long story, but uh, the fact is that uh, everybody's story is unique. Uh, generally speaking, you, you don't uh, just love at first sight can happen, but uh, looking at the cover of the book is, is far different than reading the book. And I like to think that uh, when it comes to God, we move beyond the decision that we make to follow him. We move beyond that, just looking at the cover and what God did for us is fantastic, but we move beyond that into the process of falling in love with God. And so that's what I've called this morning's message in our series, I've called it Falling in Love with God, that we fall in love with God the more that we get to know God. And it's a process, and it's a unique process for each one of us. There's some common things, surely, with that, but falling in love with God to each one of us, it's like falling in love with a person because God is a person. We, we, we aren't falling in love with an idea, an ideology, a concept. We are actually falling in love with the person that made the whole universe, that person God, uh, allows us to have a unique experience of falling in love with him. So I want us to go over to uh, a fantastic passage of scripture. It's in Ephesians chapter 3. I would encourage you to read all of Ephesians. And uh, we're not going to read the whole chapter in Ephesians chapter 3 this morning, but I really want to uh, look at this and look at how uh, can we fall in love with God? We look at what God has for us, and uh, that's amazing. Like I said, it's love at first sight when when you discover that you're saved, that God's offering you forgiveness of sins that God's offering you a brand new beginning, you're a new creation in Christ. Like, all of that is just amazing, but that's the starting point for us. And then it goes from there. Ephesians 3, and we'll start with verse 14. Like I said, there's so much in this that uh, uh, we could have easily started with the beginning of the chapter or even backtrack from there. But verse 14, now Paul's writing this, and he says this, for this reason, and To understand what he's talking about for this reason, you'd have to go back again and start uh, with the beginning of Ephesians chapter 3. I kneel before the Father. And I love the fact that Paul uses family talk. He doesn't just say, I kneel before the omnipotent, supreme being of the universe. I I kneel before the great and almighty. No, he says, "I, I kneel before the Father. Now, I don't know what your experience was with your paternal father, your dad, so to speak, but whatever that is, uh, good or bad, it still pales in comparison with your heavenly father. And, and, and he is like, he's a father. He's got a father's heart. He, he loves you so unconditionally. Verse 15, from whom every, here's another uh, family word, every family, every family in heaven And on earth derives its name. I I think about the fact that not all families are here on earth, but there are families in heaven. In verse 16, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. The next verse actually reinforces this, and we're going to have a look at what that means uh, just briefly as we pass through the scriptures. But verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts, or in other words, in your inner being, in your hearts through faith, and I pray that you being rooted and established, or the uh, King James says, uh, grounded instead of established, In love. Now that's so important that um, I really believe we need to pause there because what is more powerful than love getting out of us? And so many times we are looking at God, (laughs) you know, get me out of this situation. Get me out of this difficulty. Get me out of this difficult relationship. But what is more important or, in fact, more powerful than be me out of here, Scotty, than get me out of this, is love getting into. What is more powerful than you getting out of whatever it is, sticky situation, difficult situation that you might have right now, is the love of God getting into you. One of them won't change you at all. It might change your situation. It's like the, uh, the, uh, the Hebrews in the fiery furnace. There's three of them in there, and they're going to burn because they wouldn't bow. And, and they didn't pray, God, deliver us. In fact, they, well, they kind of did, but they said, even if he doesn't, we're all good. Even if our God doesn't take us out of this fiery furnace... That Nebuchadnezzar had ordered it to be heated like seven times hotter. It says, even if, and, and, and because of that, there was a fourth man that got in the furnace with them. There was a f- fourth man, there's a fourth man in the fire with you. His name is Love. His name is God, yes. His name is Father. His name is love. And the Son of God got in that fire with them, and they were transformed, and, the, uh, and they were delivered out of that, but they were delivered from the inside out. A lot of times, your deliverance is going to happen from the inside out, that you might be rooted and grounded in love. Now, rooted is an agricultural word. It means to plant something like a bulb or, or a seed in the ground, and the roots start to dig deep because uh, the, the, where the root is, it determines where the fruit is. Whatever the root determines the fruit. The fruit of your life is going to be because of what you have planted in the richness of the soil of your heart. See, love is not a superficial thing. Love shouldn't be superficial in the natural. Boy meets girl. Girl meets boy. They connect. Their eyes meet. Oh, baby, woo, where'd you come from? You've been coming to this church all this time, and I didn't even know it. My goodness. But again, that's love at first sight. That's not the deep seated, rooted, and grounded. Grounded is an, agricultural, is an architectural word, established. It means the foundation has to be laid for whatever you're going to build upon from there. The most important part of any building is the foundation. If you've got a weak foundation, if you don't dig deep, then nothing high can go up. That you might be rooted and grounded in love. I want to share this with you, that whatever's not rooted and grounded in love will produce lust. And lust is selfishness. Don't think about just lust in a a sexual way, but lust is me. It's all about me. Love at first sight can very much be it's all about me. You are going to be perfect for moi. I cannot wait to get to know you a bit better so I can get more out of you. We're not talking about that kind of love when it comes to the love of God. We're talking about something that is so deep in your heart that builds a foundation that the roots have to go down into. We're talking about a process. We're talking about a process with a person. We're talking about falling in love with God, not just love at first sight with God. It starts with a decision to ask Jesus into your heart, but boy, that's just the beginning. And so rooted and grounded in love, Paul says that that you might be strengthened on your inner being, that you might know what are the riches of of this glory, of of Christ in you, which was a mystery before all of this, that you might might be established in, in love, this deep-seated thing called love, this is a process. Now have a look at this. In, in, uh, in verse 18, we'll move off of that right now. He says, "May have power." See, there's power that comes out of this. This process, this falling in love, letting God into your situation, not just get me out of the situation. There's power. He says, you may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. Oh, and I love this. To grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of God. Do you know, in the axiom of dimensions, and you can Google this in your free time, you probably all remember this when you took... Math at school, or geometry if you did, back in high school perhaps, if you can dig into your memory a little bit. But we live in three dimensions basically, but there is a fourth. And these three plus the fourth are all mentioned right here. And on an XYZ, you might, or Z as you say over here, <laughs> you know, you learn the axioms of dimension. So you know that X is the length. But if you only have length, you just got a straight line. And and so many people, when it comes to the dimension of of God, they're they're just walking in a straight line, kind of a a linear approach to God, who is so multifaceted, multidimensional that it just blows our mind. It can only be in our heart. And then on that axiom, there's also Y. And why is the, the, the width, it says here, that you might know what is the length and then the, the width of God, it, that God has breadth, that, 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 that there is no horizon, There's, there, you know, God just goes on and on and on. But if you only had those two, going back again to uh, our, our geometry or mathematics in school with those axioms, if you only had that, you would only have like a, you could have a square. You could turn a line with the, with the length, you, you 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 get the width, and all of a sudden now you can have a square. But a square only has area. A square does not have. Uh, uh, Cubic metrage, a a square doesn't have that that depth, that volume that only comes with a cube. So you need the next dimension here that's mentioned here, and and that's the depth. And the depth of God, the the love of God, the depth of God is like the ocean. There 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 is nothing that compares with the depth of God. Those three are what we operate in normally in our world. We live in a, again, we we live in basically three dimensions. So a line can become a square, which has area, but it it doesn't have volume. And and then if you add that third dimension in there, all of a sudden now you've got a cube instead of a square. You've got volume. You've got something that can be contained. There's, There's area within that. But there is a fourth dimension here if you only know love on those three dimensions, then you're missing out on the fourth dimension, which is necessary to fall in love with God. And that fourth dimension doesn't have a letter, X, Y, and and there's Z or Z, but there's no letter for this one. It's the height. And the height is time. In fact, physicists agree on this. That time is, if there was a, if there is a fourth dimension, and there certainly is, then it's time. And time with God is what establishes a relationship with God, going from just an introduction to God where uh, we just have a decision to follow God, and it's love at first sight, so to speak, with God. When you see the gospel and the promises in there, you make that decision, but... God wants you to go so far beyond that. That's a dimension, but that's still a third dimension until time enters in and you are following God over a a long period of time. And the longer, the better. You get a history with God. And then his history, his story, history is his story, becomes your story. And then your story, your testimony becomes his glory. Your story is God's glory as time flows on. And as the roots go down deeper, and as the foundation gets stronger, God starts to build something, get it, height the love of God that you might know what is the length and the width and the depth, but you've got to know the height of God, and that height of God is that fourth dimension that brings relationship and, and, and a history into the equation. Now, all of a sudden, there's 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 something there that you could never get just on a, a three-dimensional aspect of love. Do you understand where I'm coming? I don't want to leave everybody behind now, but uh, this is so exciting because what Paul is writing here and what he says that you might have power together with all the Lord's holy people again verse 18 to grasp how wide, that's the Y that's the the Y and the the length, the X and the height, that's time and deep the Z or the Z is the love of God verse 19, we'll move off. And to know, this is where we're going this morning, to know this love. I'll put in there, God is love. So to know this God, this person, this love that surpasses knowledge. A lot of people know all about him. They can quote scripture. There's Theologi- theologists and, 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 and people that are experts in the Hebrew and the Greek and this word means that and that means this and you know all of that it's not the end game the goal is to know this love to know this God which surpasses knowledge it's not in the head it's in the heart that you may be filled oh I love that filled to the measure of all the fullness of God if somebody told me that that All the fullness of God can fit inside of your heart. I'd go, you're mad. If I didn't write this, you know this. You may be filled with the measure of all. Oh, man, don't use absolutes. Don't use uh, uh, absolutes, rather, here, Paul You don't say every, and you don't say all, except that you really mean that that you might be filled with to the measure of all, absolute, all the fullness of God. You see, so many people stop with knowing about God. But they don't ever know God. Because they don't have that fourth dimension called time. Where relationship is built. We're talking about falling in love with God. Falling is following. And you follow Him over a length of time. Falling in love is following love. But it takes time. It takes this fourth dimension to fall in love with God, it means that you are spending time with God, developing a history uh, with God. Sometimes I'll see couples, and it breaks my heart. People that have been married for a lot of years sometimes, and perhaps you know some of these people. Maybe you're here, and it happened to you, and I I really feel, there's no, no stones being cast here, but I feel when people that have been together for a long time, one of the things that, when they move separate ways, is they're throwing away their history together. I think about the history that Gail and I have together and we've got some times and all those times weren't good. There were tough times in our marriage. Tough circumstances. I, I can remember when we when we got married I was an itinerant uh, evangelist traveling around preaching and, and not making a whole lot of money let me just put it that way and she'd saved up kind of a dowry I guess she'd call it for when we got married <laughs> and then I had a return ticket back to America, and included a stopover in Tahiti, and, and so we got her a ticket. We got on the airplane, and we stopped in Tahiti for our honeymoon because it was kind of like included in the airfare—not the hotel and all the rest of it—but uh, you know. And, and then we hit California. We were back in America again, and we hit some really tough times because we didn't have a lot of money. We had some of her money, but it was going fast. Got to see Disneyland, get presents, and all that kind of stuff, it's not cheap, and uh, we didn't have any place to stay. And so we stayed with good friends and relatives, and some of them could only have us for so long. My brother was trying to sell his house at the time, and his wife at the time didn't really, wasn't real happy that we were (laughs) staying there, because we got water all over. I didn't know whether to put the curtain inside the shower or outside the shower. I think I put it outside, and the water got on the floor. We're trying to sell the house, you know, suitcases everywhere, so off we go to somebody else. And then then we were living out of the car, for quite a long period of time. We took our honeymoon driving around uh, America, living out of a compact, a very small it was a Mitsubishi uh, cult, which, uh, you know, it's a little hatchback thing. And uh, everything packed in there. We went to Niagara Falls. It's kind of the place for honeymooners, what Niagara Falls is. We went there in the middle of winter. We, we parked outside of the honeymooners' hotels, but we spent the night in the car park with the car running, so the heater was going. I remember a policeman knocking on the thing, on the, on the window, you know, middle of the night, I'm thinking, oh, no, we're in trouble. He saw what we were up to. He knew, kind of had a heart for us. <laughs> and he goes, uh, hey, just, uh, if you're going to leave the engine running, just crack the windows, you know. Don't want you to die <laughs> of uh, carbon monoxide poisoning or, or whatever it was. But I look back on that, and I mean, there's one account after another what God provided for us, but there were very very difficult times, that's our history together, that's what falling in love means it means time in it's not the timing of the investment, it's the time in that investment. And we've got some serious years, you know, 30-something years now uh, of being married. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of skin in the game. There's a lot of time in this whole thing right now. And, and I feel so sorry when, when people chuck it all away. But how do you think God feels? When somebody makes a decision, love at first sight, this is what I can get out of the deal. It's just lust, not love. And then don't spend the time getting to know him, the person I'm talking about, the father, the beautiful family of God. To not take that that fourth dimension called time and, and, and spend it getting to know him, getting to know how he thinks, developing a history with God. It's even worse when people have relationship with God. They're falling in love with God, and then they chuck it all away and decide to go serve something else. I don't know. Like I think, my goodness, history is, is so important because his story becomes your story. As yes, he is. So are you in this world. He was crucified, dead, and buried. So is your old person. He was raised from the dead. So were you. He's, he's, he's seated at the right hand of the Father on high. You are seated with him in heavenly places. His story is your story, and your story is his glory. Amen. Come on. I mean, that's such good news. But it only starts with the decision. It doesn't end there. And so many people, they start and they finish with the decision to follow Jesus, and that's as far as it goes. God has history with you. The question is, how much history do you have with God? You know, it's pretty amazing because sometimes we think that God just met us when we ask Jesus Christ into our heart. In other words, when we get saved. We think, oh, I just met God. And we think God just met us. God knew you before the foundation of the world. Before he created the world for you to live in, God knew you. God knows everything about you. He didn't just meet you the day that you said, Jesus, come into my heart. Sometimes we think that. We think because we met him, you know, pleased to meet you, God, that he's going, oh, who are you? He, he designed you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, even in your, your mother's womb, the Bible says. God, God knows every hair on your head, even if you don't have a whole lot left. God God you know and the hair gets transferred from the head down the neck and the ears. We'll oh, go there. That's terrible. It's, gross. it's disgusting. God knows every hair. We'll stick with the head. Every hair on your head. God knows all your thoughts. God knows all your struggles. God knows your history. God knows what you went through. God is so fond of you. It's not a question of, does God know you? It's do you know? That's the whole thing. Falling in love with God, that time dimension is about you knowing him. He already knows you. He knows everything about you. Isn't that amazing that somebody that knows everything about you, and now we're talking everything about you, and some of you are going, oh, no, really? Does he know about, oh. yeah, he does. <laughs> he knows about, oh, yeah. He knows it all. And yet, he still loves you intensely. There's no surprises. Sometimes we think putting those fig leaves in the garden just covered it up, and God doesn't, where are you, Adam? God knew where Adam was. Come on. Adam just needed to locate himself. If he could answer that question, he'd go, I'm a long way from you, and I need to get back. God knows every single thing. Thing good or bad about you from the very beginning and the beginning isn't even just your birth but what God designed for you to become and who you are going to be. God knows every single facet of you. God knows every thought that you've ever thought. God knows every temptation you've ever been tempted with. God knows about your weaknesses. God knows about your supposed strengths. God knows everything about you. And yet, knowing all of that, he says, I choose you. I pick that one. How many of us, again, back to boy uh, meets girl, (laughs) Uh, 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 I don't think my wife would have married me had she known what God knew about me. (laughs) It's too late, she can't do anything about it now, (laughs) so I can be candid and honest. (laughs) It's too late. (laughs) Well, it's not for some people, but it is for her because we did a covenant deal and we've fallen in, in love. But if she knew everything about Ed, that God knew about Ed, when Ed and Gail met, I would think she would have turned and run as fast as she possibly could if she was smart. <laughs> and sometimes we have that thought about God. Oh, God. ha. Oh. I'm so glad I'm just meeting you and I'm so so in love with you God but you forget that God is in love with you warts and all. Warts and all. And Satan's number one weapon number one weapon I'm convinced of it is fear. You see the difference between your need and God's supply that, that gap is is fear. You say, fear uh, of what? God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and and of love and and of a sound mind. But where you need the sound mind is to understand that, that that fear that you have of God rejecting you, that fear of rejection, I'm convinced, is the number one reason that we don't sit down and get to know God, the God that knows everything about us, good or bad, that we don't get to know him better is we're afraid he's going to reject us. He is not going to reject you. He never has and he never will. And so to hit that fourth dimension that we might know what is the height that we might soar into glory that we might even dwell in heavenly places with our heavenly father that we can be reminded and experience what it means to be seated with him in heavenly places that we can get past the X and the Y and the Z, past the length and the depth and the width and soar into the height, which doesn't even have a letter attached to it, that you might know the fourth dimension of God. You've got to get to know Him as He knows you. Now I see in a glass dimly, it says in 1 Corinthians 13. Now I see dimly in a a mirror, but then face to face. That I might know as I'm known. there is no fear in love. Because the Bible says this, it's in Second uh, Timothy, I think one verse seven. "There is no fear in love. Perfect love cast out all fear. Fear of what? Fear of being rejected by God because if God found out, if God knew what I was up to, if God knew the thoughts going, if God knew my struggles, if God knew my failures, oh, if God knew, if God, God does know. He knows it all. And yet he still chooses you. In fact, he calls you friend. He he is, he is madly in love with you. So how do you fall in love with God? Quite simply, you spend time with him. You spend time realizing how much he knows about you. Don't harbor a lie. Because when you believe a lie, you empower that lie. When you believe a liar, you empower the liar. When you believe that you are going to be rejected by the one that loves you so much that he gave his only son to pay the whole price of everything that he knows that you got up to called sin that was not part of the deal. When when you believe that lie, you empower that and you cut yourself off from the relationship with God, from falling in love with God, you have to realize he accepts you warts and all and he wants to hang out with you. He wants to spend time with you, knowing your deficiencies, knowing your faults. Do not let the fear of rejection cut you off from falling in love with God. Yes, yes. Yeah. So I came just to say that this morning. A very simple message, but oh how hard it is. He says this in John seventeen three. it says, Now this is eternal life not quoting scriptures. It's not getting your argument right. Now this is John the beloved wrote this. Now this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Love is to know God. How do you do that? You hear him. You trust him and you obey him. There is no fear in love. Perfect love cast out all fear. I'm gonna close in a moment, so I'd like for our music team to come up, thank you. Sometimes in life we have the joy of catching up with people that we have a shared history with. Uh, We were at that conference, like I said, down on the Gold Coast this past week, and I caught up with some pastors that have uh, been around I've been 32 years, uh, just finished 32 years of pastoring this church, of being in in our movement, Australian Christian Churches, and seeing at conference some people that had hair, now they don't, (laughs) that were young, and I'm looking at one of them, (laughs) that aren't so young anymore. But we were young when we started out in the battle, and one of, the, one of the biggest joys is to just sit down and talk a little bit of history. We were talking about John Lewis, who um, used to be the president of our movement for the state uh, up here in Queensland. And you know, I was talking with one of my friends, Pastor Fred, a couple of them, actually. And we were just telling John Lewis stories. How funny was it when John did this? And he was a funny guy. Just memory, you know, going back, reminiscing, and, and running through some some history. And, and there's a real joy in that. That's why it's nice when you can get together with some some relatives. And I say some, <laughs> and you can share a little bit. You can talk about history because they knew you way back when. Some relatives are not a joy, however, because. They knew you way back when when you did stupid things. And they remind you of it. And they just love to talk about all the dumb things that you did. Oh, yeah, you were so stupid. You know, you were a. Uh... I've got an aunt, and um, my auntie Margaret's, my dad's sister, and my cousins usually dial in and watch this, but my aunt, when we get together, Go to her house, we have the most amazing food. She's a great cook. She's never once said anything about how stupid I was growing up, or what a dumb little clumsy kid I was. She just talks about this beautiful child because she knew me from probably the day or the week I was born all the way you're the cutest little guy. I remember your curly white hair I'm so proud of you that you're in the ministry she always says kind things about me whereas I can go and meet some other family members and it's just let's just rip shred, shreds off of him we don't believe he's moved on he's still the dumb idiot that you know when he was a teenager kind of a deal when you hang out with God God, like I said, knows your history (laughs) better than you do. (laughs) There's one thing that you'll never hear from God, and that's all your mistakes, how stupid you were or are, all the dumb things that you did. He's the doting father. That's my girl. That's my boy. Oh, I remember the time that you invited me into your heart. I was waiting for that day. I waited 30 years, 40 years, whatever it was for you. I'm so in love with you. Let's hang out together. Let's let's make some history together. I want to show you what my power is in your life. Can you get some roots to go down and be rooted in love? Can you be established in my love so we can build something together, watch it go up together? God just wants, he just wants to spend time with you. He just looks forward to some of us. It's the 130 seconds we give him once a week when we need something. Still loves you. He's already in love with you. But my question in closing is, will you fall in love with Jesus? Will you fall in love with him by spending time with him in prayer? In your thought life, going to bed, waking up, just letting God fill your mind. Having a sound mind means having the thoughts of God running through your brain to the point where there's no difference. His thoughts are your thoughts. Your thoughts line up with His thoughts. You think alike. That's love. That's another dimension of love that I encourage all of us to step into. I'd like you to stand with me if you're here, if you're at home. I'd like you just to bow your head in prayer. You might want to close your eyes just to get intimate with God. God chose you, like I said. God's desperate to hang out with you. Sometimes to do that, we've got to not hang out with other people, perhaps, or the television or those little devices that we're constantly on. Sometimes we have to say no to say yes. We have to say no to some other people and things to say yes to God. you're not falling in love with God, it's probably because your love is for something else. I just want to encourage you. Oh, man. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You've been on the journey. You've got some history there. You know what it means to fall in love with God and to spend that time and hit that fourth dimension. You know what that is. Some of you know it more than the preacher does that's up here, but wherever you're at, all I can say is there is more, there is more. There's no boundary there. He's not a square, he's not a cube. It's just woof, he wants to pour it into you. So would you make that decision today? If you're watching online, would you make a decision I'm going to cross the timeline. I'm going to go across that line called time, and I'm going to carve out as much time as I possibly can in my thought life to spend time with my heavenly Father. To fall in love with God. Starts with a decision, so we're all going to pray right now. Decision. Decision. For you to give your heart to Him, but not to stop there. That's just the start, but it's a beautiful start. Why don't you pray this with me? We'll all pray this together. And if you're watching online or you're here right now, you've never made that decision to give God your heart, to let Him in. I'm going to lead you in a short prayer that you can do that right now. This is not a formula. This is an invitation, this is a decision that you're making to let love into your heart. Right now, pray this after me. Say, Dear God, God, I decide decide today, today, right now, now, to let you in to to my heart. heart. Jesus, Jesus. I I give you my life. I will follow you. I will get to know you as you know me. I'm falling in love with you from this day forward. Amen. If you made that decision, yeah, give the Lord a hand clap. I would really like to know if you made that decision. If you're here today, come and talk to me or any of these amazing people on our worship team. They've all been following Jesus for a long enough time to Get you started. We've got uh, a booklet called Getting Started with God. I've got a Bible to give you. Uh, if you're watching online, please uh, just hit the emails, city-church.com.au. Uh, I think it is. Uh, it'll come up anyway. And we would love to help you in your journey to knowing God and falling in love with God. God bless you. We'll see you next week. It's going to be the final in our series. Uh, learning to love. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.